Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. How, how many was not here on Wednesday night? Raise your hand just so we can get a count of who we need to speak correction over. No, I'm playing. <laughs> um, can we get the video to show them uh, those that were not here on Wednesday night? I just want to show you what the Lord, you know, when you're giving and what you're doing. Um, we were believing uh, when we were in Ohio last weekend, if you were not here on Wednesday night, I shared a story and I, I talked about the flags that used to be on this wall. If you've been here for any length of time, when we just had, when this really was just a gym, <clears throat> we had flags all the way down that wall. And I removed the flags because I just said we're not going to fly them for decoration. If we're going to fly them, we need to have either missionaries there or we need to have money there. And so anyhow, I shared on Wednesday night that we got our first flag to install on that wall. And it is the flag from uh, Pakistan. So Fiaz gave me a flag this past weekend when we went and seen them in Columbus. And so uh, I want to show you. So anyhow, let me just tell you this. <clears throat> I ain't going to call no names. But anyhow, we were sitting in the we were sitting in the office, and you know, just someone said that, you know, might not ought to take that off and up on Wednesday night. And I understand that too, because Wednesday night, you know, you got a lot of people that that can't come for whatever reason. I got a household with three small children, so I know what that's like. Okay, and so um, so anyhow, I just but I really felt like when I was preaching Wednesday night, we might have had a hundred people here or something. But I felt like we was to take it up. And so anyhow, when I asked Fiaz what it would take to finish the roof of the church and maybe put the plaster on the inside, he said probably around eight thousand dollars. And so I committed to $8,000 when I was in Columbus, Ohio. And, and how many knows that when I said I, I, th- I said we. Um, I remember listening to Bill Johnson and Heidi called uh, Pastor Bill and said our boat that we used to evangelize the other islands was just got, got it was really old to start with, but it got destroyed in the storm. So she said, I need to know if I can count on you or whatever, and so Bill said, we will buy the boat. Just get whichever one you want, and we'll, we'll buy the boat. So he said, that he said, I'm coming to tell you this morning that Heidi trusts this house, Bethel, and so she's went and bought that boat, so I need, to, I need us to come through. So we made that commitment anyhow. On Wednesday night, with 100 people here, we're believing God for $8,000, and not only did we get to 8000 we took up almost $12,000 to put into Pakistan on a Wednesday night service. Come on, give God some praise for that. Come on. <clears throat> Dusty, run and go get that flag. It's in, the, it's in my office right there in, the, in that uh, thing. Just roll the doors away and grab it. I want to show you this flag right quick. He's going to grab it right quick. And um, so you got the video right there, Gav, where we can show it. All right, let's look, watch this video. This is what your dollars are doing. I'm very thankful to the Almighty God. I am Pastor Shakeel from Lahore, Pakistan. We are really, really thankful to the Lord what he has done and what he is going to do, it is amazing. We are just going to complete this church building and I am really thankful to the Pastor John and the Cornerstone Church in Georgia. We are really thankful for your support to build this roof and we are really thankful Almighty God what he has done. It is wonderful. It is incredible. I am praying for you every day. Our church is praying for you. You are very special to us and we are really thankful to you once again. Your school, your prayers is a very vital and we have just going to complete this work. You can see the steel rod has also come for this building and the workers are working over there. The people are all over the world. We are really, really thankful to God Almighty to provide this place as the people. They are working, they are working over the light project. We are really thankful once again. God bless you. God be with you. Amen. Amen. So I want to share with you those that are not here about this flag. Just hold the one. So, <clears throat> okay, we get it right. We'll get it right in a minute. So, Pastor Fiaz shared with us that the white on this flag represents the Christians that are in Pakistan. 
And the green represents the Muslims. So we're going to fly this flag in here. And every time we pray, we pray this whole flag turn white, right? Come on, somebody. And so, thank you. So I just wanted to share with you where, you know, what your gifts are doing. And uh, I was, we actually watched a couple of videos. And I was hoping that he would send me one of those videos. And so when, when I got... Um, um, when I got, got the, um, I'm sorry right there. I'm, I, my, just saw that and my mind just jumped on something else, but anyhow, Lord help me right here. So I thought that he was just going to send us that video. And so when I was sitting in Tifton, I received that video on my phone and what he did was call his brother and said, you get up on that roof and you show the, you show Pastor John what we're doing. And so, but if you could have seen where those bricks are not being laid there, there's the churches there that they're gathering now. So it's just going to give them a whole lot larger facility in what we're doing. And so just thank God for that. Amen. All right. So uh, let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. I want to share, I'm going to stand in the same vein where I was at. And those of you that have gotten, uh, that's in uh, Cleves platoon with the axe men, he brought, he, uh, he got you guys a book. And that book is by Mark Batterson, Play the Man, is that correct? The, the first, when I started preaching, uh, really, I guess, a series, I, I preached series by accident. But that message uh, is really, that I preach is just really the first three chapters, just the highlights of the first three chapters. That's how rich that book is. And so I just want to continue in the same vein. So I'm going to be preaching this morning. If I title it, I'm going to be preaching Man Up. Um, and, and so uh, part two. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And then uh, let's, let's look at some things in here that... Um, I feel like the Lord is wanting to pull out this morning. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to preach the gospel in this house. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for the growth that you are demanding from us in this hour. I thank you that there is a grace to help us to mature, to grow, and really just get beyond where we ever thought we could be, Father. Father, I thank you that none of us have arrived, but we are all a work in progress. I thank you that he that hath begun a good work in us will complete it. Father, so we trust you. We look to you, the author and finisher of our faith today, and trusting you as a great father that you're going to help us, Lord, uh, get to the destination. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. How many knows nobody hasn't arrived? Let's work with some minors in there. So Seth and I are going to be practicing. I called him the other day and I said, man, I need you to get road ready because we're going to travel together. Amen. So, uh, so that's what we're doing this morning. So let's look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. <coughs> and I want to speak from this right here. <clears throat> All right. It says this. It says, when I was a child... I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, look at your neighbor and say, when I became a man. Well, I do a lot of counseling now, just in that one statement. Look at this. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Listen, I just feel in this season where the Lord has me from the encounter I had a few weeks ago is just really to just preach to men, to raise up, to get us at our place and at our destination. Now there's a picture that I want to show you this morning to show you that this is not some fad that I've jumped on, that this has been in my heart for a long time. And over in Alma, we tried to buy a lot of times the front page of the paper. And as we would try to purchase the front page of the paper, they would always tell me that you can't buy, you can't buy the front page of the paper. He said it's for only news. And I was like, well, man, I got some good news I want to put on there. So anyhow, we did make the front page of the paper when I pastored in Alma in 2011 and show it up there, Gavin, if we can. Look at this. It says, hundreds, what? Flock to out to Bacon County to attend a mighty men's conference. And so that year, that's J.J. Jasper of American Family Radio. God told me to bring him in 
and God just did amazing things that night. And there was, uh, it says 300, but we know this, that there was over 400 gathered in a tobacco warehouse over in Alma. And that was in 2011. So I just wanted to show you that, that this is something in my heart. It's been in my heart for a long time. And I feel like that God is just really emphasizing it in this season that what He wants to do in this house. How many knows if God changed the men of this house, God will change this church? How many knows in your family, if, if God gets a hold of daddy, if God gets a hold of your husband, there's a lot fixing to change in that, right? So in this passage that Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 13, he spe- let's, let's look at it. One, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. One of the things, the marks of maturity, is that we take responsibility and we're able to leave childish things. You with me? All right, now look at this. He's speaking of a passage, if you will. He's speaking of, 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 of an endurance, of something that he's endured, a process that he's endured to come out of boyhood into manhood. How many of those just calls you 25, 35, 45, 55, 65? Does it mean that you have transitioned the passage from boyhood to manhood? Come on now. And so what we want to do is we want to raise up mighty men. David had mighty men in 2 Samuel 23. He had men that was broke, distressed, all kind of problems in their life. He brings them in a cave and he turns these broke, distressed men that were in debt and he turns them into mighty men. That is my prayer that God is going to do in this church, in this community, that God will raise up mighty men that can turn something around. Come on, somebody. That men, we as men can leave some childish things behind and man up and get to the place that God has called us to. It ain't right for the women to dance across the front of the altars or the women to be the only intercessors in the house. I believe God's called men to dance just like David did and dance mighty before the Lord and I also believe that God has called some men in here to be intercessors and to pray and see the kingdom of God come. Alright. Say, so what are you preaching on the stage for? Because John Brown said, get on the stage where well, we can record it. Just trying to learn some things. Okay. What does it mean to be a man? Well, some would say to be a man, it means that you are, with, 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 you know, what image comes to mind when you, become, what, when you say, you want to be a man? Do you think of Chuck Norris? That's a man. All these different images that society has placed on us that said what a man is. A man is somebody that has made it through puberty. We know that not to be true. Because some that has made it through puberty are still just a boy. they just in a bigger body. Just because you got bigger don't mean you got better. So a man, what I want to preach, what I believe how God defines a man is a man that is after him with his whole heart. A man that discovers his purpose and is passionately pursuing to get at that place that God called him to. Come on somebody. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the man that discovers his purpose. What God called him here. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus was taken up into heaven, the scripture says the angels looked down and said, why do you mean stand here gazing there are so many men that are just gazing just wandering haphazardly through life they've not discovered their true purpose we discover our true purpose by hanging out with the Lord in the word of God come on somebody and as you get in the word of God and as you hang out with Jesus you see him and as he is so are we in this world alright so this what does it mean to be a man it's not necessarily Chuck Norris, Steven Seagal, or Rocky, or even John Rambo. John Rambo's the only one we saw to take a 50 caliber machine gun and hold the bullets over one hand, over one arm, and shoot it with the other hand. He was bad, but that doesn't define what a man is. What defines a man is, is that he loves God with his whole heart, that he finds his purpose in what God put him here to do, and he passionately pursues that place. Now this, as men, we have a gruesome task to travel this passage, listen to this, 
from adolescence into manhood. And here's the real deal. We are armed with very few manuals and very few tutors to show us how to get there. Did you hear what I said? We have this gruesome task to travel from adolescence, from boyhood into manhood. We have very few manuals, which is the Word of God. We have that. But besides, we have very few manuals and we have very few tutors to show us along the way. How many knows that one thing we are lacking in the church today, even Paul wrote about it in his day, we have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you do not have many fathers. We do not have many fathers in the church that have made this journey into this passage that can point and guide us the way to get there. All right. Just stay with me. I'm going to get to some good stuff in a minute. Look at your neighbor and say, he'll get anointed directly. Just stay with him. All right. I was listening to, and I wish I could preach it like him, but I can't, but I was listening to this one particular preacher preach, and I was listening to him preach about manhood and different things, and it was phenomenal. It's one of the most powerful messages I heard. And in that message, he said it's hard to be a man. He said it's very hard to be a man. It is a difficult thing to be a man. And as I began to listen to him preach, he went over a couple of things. And now here's the deal. We know this. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober, be vigilant, for your enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you, the number one thing on his hit list is a man. Come on, somebody. The number one thing on his hit list, every hunter loves to hunt hunt a, a specific species. Uh, and, and every hunter has a trophy room. If we could go to the hordes of hell and see the devil's trophy room, it would be lined with man after man whom he has captured and whom he has devoured. He knows if he could get the man, he surely got the child. He knows if he could get the man, he surely got the woman. Come on, somebody. There's too many households in America where the woman's having to stand in the man's shoes and be the priest of the house. Come on, somebody. But I want to tell the men at Cornerstone, God ain't called the wife to bear the weight of that house. She's calling. He's called the man to get at the place as the priest of his house. One of the things that we talk about, and our kids have never heard us say this. Our kids have never heard us say, are we going to go to church tomorrow? Church is not something we do because I'm the preacher. Come on, somebody. When I didn't have a pulpit, I still attended the house of God. we got to attend the house of God. Why? Because we draw strength from one another. It's the man that stays isolated. That's the one that the devil will get. You know this. Listen, fish swim in schools for a reason. Why? For protection. But as men, a lot of times we isolate ourselves. We feel like we're the only one with issues. Let me, give you, let me give you a deal. You're not the only one with issues. Every man in this room has got issues and got problems and got struggles. Everybody in this room is a traveler and not an arriver. Come on, somebody. And we got we got one thing we've got to make sure is this, that we are all traveling on this journey. Everyone's struggling with something. Everyone's trying to attain the destination. And if we don't look at one another and encourage one another and say, I believe in you, Danny. I believe in you, Steve. Get up. Come on, let's run this race. We're never going to get there if we don't learn how to encourage one another, how to look past faults and failures and say, man, you're better than that. Come on, man up. Get to the place (coughs) now one of the things too in scripture we see a contract out for man's life it was in Moses day that he was had to be put in a basket and let down it was in Jesus day that they had to flee to protect his life why because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, the first prophecy ever given about the one that would come bring redemption to mankind after Adam fall. As he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And the woman's seed, listen to this, and the woman's seed. He shall bruise your head, crush your head, but you shall bruise his heel. And so God was speaking of a man-child that would be the seed of the woman. And ever since that prophecy has rolled and uttered into earth, man has been under attack. Y'all believe what I'm telling you this morning? Even insurances and things like that, men die quicker than what women do. And as I heard one preacher said, it says that's just what we do, die. We die a thousand times. But as men... 
I just want you to see that there is, there is this, this, this plague or this onslaught to keep men to the ground. Because the enemy knows that if a man ever finds his place, that whole family's turned around. You with me now? Now, so the enemy is out roaming like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A man is at the number one hit list. A father's at the number one hit list. The greatest place we can ever preach is inside the home, friend. If we lose that, we lost everything. Come on, can I get a shot, Chris Poston? If we lose that, we have lost everything. My first job is not to make sure that this church arrives. Come on, somebody. My first job is to look after my wife and my three boys and be the faithful priest at my home. Because if my home is never right, this will never be right. Let me say the way the Bible said. The Bible says, how can you take care of the household of God if you can't even run your own household. How you run your own household determines whether God releases you to run something else. Come on. That's good preaching. Now, so we know the destination is to arrive. We know that the place that God wants us to is to arise at what He's called us to. Now let me ask you this. How can we move forward if we don't know where we're at? And one thing is men that I found out to be true is it's hard for us to be honest about where we're at. Can I talk to us this morning? It's hard for us to be honest. And I can tell you, some of the Christian cliches, I really can't stand them. I can't stand to talk to somebody and the first thing that I ask is, how are you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. If you're driving a Datsun out here, friend, that's falling apart left and right, you're not blessed and highly favored. Let's get honest about where we're at. You're never going to move forward until you can get honest about where you're at. Everything's good. No, I promise you, everything is not good. Everything's not good at my house this morning. Everything's not good in my life. If everything's good, that means God's finished with you, friend. Everything is not good. And we've got to be okay to say it's not good right now. I'm really struggling right now. I want to tell you right now, I'm going to give up if somebody don't come over here and pray for me right now. If we don't know where we're at, how in the world are we ever going to get to where we're going? If you use Google Maps or a GPS, what it, what, how it determines how you get to where you want to go is it first has to have a starting point. Where are you at? And when you click on it, you say, my location. Now transform me from my location to where I'm trying to get to. But if you can't be honest where you're at, how can I move you through to your next destination? Oh, I came to talk to somebody. All right, so listen to this. The Bible says that God asked Adam, where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where are you located? How many knows that God knew where Adam was the whole time? God never lost Adam. He never looked around and says, oh my God, Jesus and the Holy Ghost, I don't know where Adam is. He slipped out of Eden. We can't find him. No, that God asked Adam where he was at, not so that he could find Adam, so that Adam could realize where he was at. So you're never going to move forward unless you can honestly find out where you're at. And where you're at, you have to look yourself in the mirror. How many knows it's not the enemy out there that's killing us? Come on, somebody. And it's not your neighbor that's holding you back. It's the man in the mirror that's holding you back. You got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be honest with your own self. Quit lying to yourself. Quit telling you. Quit being deceived by your own self and say, this is where I'm really at. If we determine where you're really at, we can get you from where you're at to where you want to be. And here's what I found to be true. My God, I feel like preaching. You think you're the only one at where you at? No, let me tell you. They've been literally thousands where you at. Probably most of us in there was there last week. So I thought about this deal. Got to be honest with myself. Well, how you doing today, John? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's a cover up. That's just a cover up. What that tells me is you got walls and you don't want me to know where you at. But we all, we can see the look of defeat on your face. So let's just get able to get honest about where we at. Come on. Say what's got a hold of you. Tell me that you're in the lines then. Come on. If you're not honest with me, listen. When I look at great leaders, we used to look at great leaders like this. We would all put them in a Superman cape. But just as TD says, the truth about Clark Kent was not that he was Superman. Come on, somebody. The, the fact was that Superman, just, uh, let me, I'm going to get it right. It's, Clark Kent was not Superman. 
Superman just happened to be Clark Kent. And that's all of us in this room. The anointing comes on our lives. It makes us great. The gifting that's upon our lives, it makes us look better than what we are. Come on, somebody. But at the end of the day, we realize we just Clark Kent. Come on, somebody. And we was privileged to get in the phone booth and be transformed into another man. And so here's the deal. When you are anointed and when God uses you, when you are honest with me about your struggles, it gives me faith. Come on, somebody. And it gives me something I can relate to. But if you've never struggled, come on, somebody, it is hard for me to relate to you. If you've never been in something and had to see God bring you out, if you've always had finances and always rode in the Mercedes, it's hard for me to relate to you. But if I understand you started out in a low place, come on, somebody. If I understand that you ain't always drove the beamer but you had a doodle bug that you had to run and jump off I can relate to that come on somebody if I understand that you ain't always had it together that you used to have a drug problem come on somebody or you've been divorced and left uh, and been left and says I don't want to have you I can relate to that because if God can come through for you and provide somebody for you come on somebody or he can get you out of that poverty and above the line I can relate to that and when I can relate to that I can receive you into my lane and say teach me and tell me how you got from point A to point B God I'm trying to preach it here but if I can't be honest about where I'm at, how are you ever going to help me? Where are you, Adam? Where, where are you at today? I think as men, we got to look at the man in the mirror and make an honest assessment. Cut the facade off. Take the preacher coat off. Get down to the bare minimum. Get in the birthday suit and say, this is where I'm really at. If you want to know who you really are, travel to a city who nobody knows you and you go there by alone and you act the way you act. If you act different than what you do in this house, guess what it is? That's who you really are. Who you are when the lights is off is who you really are. Oh my God. We'll get off of that. Somebody said, get off of that right now, preacher. Now listen, I want to read this verse of scripture. In Luke chapter 15, just hold on a minute right here, Steph. Just hold on, stay right there. Play right here in just a minute. Just stay right here. Luke 15, go right here. In Luke chapter 15, I want you to see this verse of scripture. This is a story. I want to jump right in, right into, right into the this text. This is the story of the Bible calls the prodigal son. We call it the story of the the parable of the lost son, but it's really the story of two sons. But we're gonna jump in this. Look at this in verse seventeen. But when he came to himself, he said, "How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish." With hunger. Now listen to this. The prodigal son, he demands some of his inheritance. His father gives him the money. He realizes he cannot manage what he's been given. He blows it on wild living in a strange place. Come on, somebody. How many knows if you're going to sin, you go to a strange place? It's awful quiet in here. We'll talk this out a minute. How many knows if you're going to sin, you go to a strange place, so this is what he done. But the scripture says he has this epiphany, if you will, of his true condition. You can only change when you realize your true condition. You can tell somebody that's on drugs, you can try to help them left and right, but until they realize they got a problem, they're never changing. My dad was an alcoholic and he gave us a hundred excuses when I was a young child of why he didn't have a problem. It was only when he realized that I got a problem, can he change? You're never going to defeat the sin in your life until you identify it. The scripture says it like this, let's set aside every sin, the sin, 
that does so easily beset us. How many knows as men, there is a sin that does so easily beset us? How many knows women, everybody in this room, there is a sin that does so easily beset us? He's not talking about the one that's hard to get you. He's talking about the one that you have caved into 1,000 times that does so easily beset us. And he's telling you that that sin is holding you up on your journey. And he said, let's lay aside that sin. Let's deal with that. But you can't deal with it until you name it. This is how we go. Lord, would you help me with my struggle? He probably ain't going to help you with a struggle. Jesus didn't come to help with struggles. He came to do away with sin. But see, now that I'm labeling it sin, there's something in my heart that there's an anger towards that. As I heard one man pray, God help me hate what you hate and love what you love. How many knows there's some things in us that the Father probably don't like? But when we deal with those things that are holding up the journey, the sin that does so easily beset us. So he has this epiphany. Oh my God, I'm called to be a king's kid and I am out here living in the pig pen. I'm living in a literal pig pen when I'm called as a son of the living God and I'm living well beneath my means. There are so many people living below what God has for them. But it is only when you realize where you're at how you can move from point A to point B. I said this earlier. Every man has struggles and limitations. Every man in this room has struggles and limitations. David was a man after God's own heart and he had his share of struggles. Now I want to look at this right here. Go with me to 1 Samuel. You all right? I'm getting close, okay? I'm already on the, I'm already on the last leg of the flight. Go with me to 1 Samuel. I want to read you one verse. I want to go to me to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, I'll quote the other verse so we can get in here. Now, let me just say this. As, as the men, as we want to grow, and what, what we said that we set aside these men's groups, that we got into small groups, is because we wanted to grow, right? That was the goal that was set forth. Am I right, Cleve? Am I right, Terry? Am I right, Clay? Was that not forth the goal that we set before God and God sent us a bearded prophet in that room to remind us of what we were after? Now listen, if you're a man in here and you're not connected to a group, I need you connected to a group. Why? Just because, that, that I, number one, because I felt like the Lord told us to, that should be enough, right? Number two, this, so you can grow. The Bible says that the body is connected with, uh, with, with joints and ligaments. We, have every, we, we want to connect every woman, every child, everything connected throughout this body. Now, but let me just say this. If we can't be honest with one another, then I don't see how in the world we're ever going to grow. Would we agree with that? Because then you're always living in the fairy tale land. I'm good. I can tell you right now, I have heard that from people that I know for a fact they're not good. That is a front and a cover up. If your phone is defeating you, man, bust it. Some of you can't be on social media. Let's just break it down real low up in here. All right. Some of you can't be on social media. I don't have social media, and there's a reason why I don't have it. Number one, when I see people post stupid stuff, I would probably write something on there. And I realize that you can't feel emotions through text, and once you put it out there, you can never get it back. So the best thing for me to do is not to read somebody's stupid comments because I want to jump on there. Hello. Huh? I, I want to get it down real, real right here. I'm just trying to see how much I want to jump out there. Hear me? There ain't no reason to hook up with no old high school acquaintance to be friends, fellas. Hello? If your wife can't see your friends, you got a problem, friend. Hello? Don't tell me you want to man up and get to the place when you can't even be honest with the one that God called you to walk through life together. Oh, I about want to preach right here. 
I'm going to have to quit right here because I feel, it, I feel it getting on me real strong. But I'm just trying to tell you, here's what we got to do. You got to make up your mind that you love God enough. Come on, somebody. That you're willing to say no to some things. And the best way to say no to some things is to say yes to one thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Your yes has got to be so strong that it drowns out all the other no's. Come on, somebody. You, I don't have to say no to that. Why? Because I've already said yes to this. If, we're, if our yes gets to the place it should be, then sin would be like a third shoe in our life. The reason why we're struggling with sin is because we haven't said yes. But when you say yes, sin becomes a third shoe. Why do I need that in the journey? All right. Oh, man, I won't see how far. They just 4,000 things just hit me like a cover of quail. Right, let's look at this. i got to get right here. If I don't, I'm going to chase this stuff. Listen to this. If we realize that every man has struggles and limitations, and you got to know your limitations. One of my limitations is, is I, can't, I can't sit there and listen to people. I wired for a high justice level. When they start talking crazy stuff on now, I'm going to put my two cents in there. And the way I look at it, what does, what does John Bagley, the pastor of Cornerstone Christian Church, got to get it in and offer his two cents when you can't reel it back? Come on. How many knows that? How many knows social media world's killing us to start with? All right, it can be a good platform, but I'm telling you, it's hurt a lot of people. All right. As David Thompson says, when we get to heaven, Facebook and Twitter is going to be enough evidence to know that we had time to pray. All right. Here's the deal. Look at this. Now, I mentioned this Wednesday night, and I, I stole this, but I'm not going to tell you where I'm Gleaning around that, so you think I'm anointed, okay? How many knows there's nothing new under the sun? TD Barnett from somebody. Come on. There's a few things that, I mean, there's things that God will give you that I've heard preach, that I've preached and I ain't never heard preach. But I'm, I'm just, I'm listening to this message and I send it to Matt. And he comes, he says it's the most powerful message I've ever heard in my life. I said, me too, probably. It's at the top. But one of the reasons why, listen to this, that in 1 Samuel chapter 14, God, I mean, Samuel is rebuking Saul for his disobedience. But he says that, that it's going to carry on because God said he had a man after his own heart. Right? So Samuel done heard God say that I'm raising up a man after my own heart. And one of the reasons why Samuel struggled to find the man is because when he heard God say to go look for a man, God took him to a boy. Listen to me. As men, one of the things that we've got to have older men, how many knows if you go to the church, one of the things that they highlight is the older women, the saints. Most, most older, older folk we got to point to is women. I mean, y'all look at Catalonia. I'm the only one ever been in these type of churches. You see the old women up here with the, with the silver hair, but where's the men? How many knows that we got to have men in that same line that can help us navigate? A, a father or a grown man is a compass and a buoy line for all of us in adolescence to get to that stage in life. And we will always have to have them. You got to have the 70 year old man talking to the 55 year old man and say it just don't work like that anymore. You're not no young buck anymore. This is how you got to adjust your life. We need the silver haired wisdom over the youthful zeal to bring true advancement. Come on now. Let the young men do the toll, but give us the wisdom on how you got to where you got. And so David is, I mean, David is called by God to be a man after his own heart. I'm just going to preach the rest of this out of my heart here. And so Samuel is on the journey, and he, he's sent to anoint a man, but when he gets there, he finds a kid. And T.D. says it like this, there is a king in every kid, but a kid in every king. you got to have eyes to see the king inside the kid. See, in every man, listen, and some of you women are so frustrated with your man, but on the inside of him is greatness. <coughs> he just hasn't discovered it, or better yet, has someone to point it out on the inside of him. 
When people divorce, what they forget is what draw them together to start with. But if you could feed yourself every day, why did I fall in love? I mean, you know, if Catholic could feed, why did I fall in love with this big bald-headed joker? You know, I wasn't big then and I didn't have bald hair. She told me yesterday I was in the pool. She said, look like your hair coming back. I said, no, they're going to bring it back. Be thick, man. Come on. Y'all, y'all laugh me now. Shout and laugh. I'm going to say when I'm toting it out here like this, look like Jensen got it wavy. You know what I'm saying? All right, so listen. <coughs> there is a king, he says, in every kid and a kid in every king. So what happened is, now Samuel's on the way. Now think about David. David is the man after God's own heart. And God has, 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 has called him to be the king. But listen to this. So he comes up to Jesse's house. Notice how Jesse doesn't even think enough of David to even have him as a candidate in the lineup to hear. So what happens is, is Jesse doesn't believe in David, and David is struggling with the father issues. Most, most psychologists will tell you this. Listen to this. Your, fa- <coughs> Your father is the first man you'll ever meet. And how that relationship goes will determine how all of your other relationships go. This is how important it is for the father. Now, a father, a woman can do something, but listen, a woman can, she can give breast milk to a child, but she can only raise a child. She will never turn that boy into a man. It takes a father to turn him into a man. It takes a father looking in his eyes and telling him what he sees. It takes a father modeling life before him. This is how you do it. Come on, somebody. A father is what releases identity into the children. And the reason why our kids is in an identity crisis in America is because we got a man problem in America and we got too many boys in grown man clothes. Oh, I came to talk to us. We don't want to talk about these issues on the news. We just want to say why it is. Listen to this. That the identity crisis is this. Because <coughs> we as men can't be honest about where we're at. Number two, we're struggling to get at the place that God called us. When we're home, we're not home. Do you know how easy it is to be home but not be home? It's very easy. Let me just get it into my world. In my home, when I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about what I've got to read, what I've got to get done, and Asher has to call Daddy seven times. And sometimes I don't hear him on the seventh time, so I'm married to Holy Ghost here, Catherine right here, who hollers out and says, He said Daddy seven times. How many knows that he shouldn't have to say daddy but one time and I should turn my attention towards him? I'm talking to us this morning. The problem is we're too busy. We're more concerned about golf clubs, a deer to kill, and every other thing else except for getting to the place that God called us to. And long after the trophies, let me tell you something, I've got stuff mounted and stuck up there in the closet. I hung some of it in a tree house. That's all that's going to matter. But what's really going to matter is what did I put in my children? Not that I took them on the finest resorts. Did I lay the kingdom of God on the inside of them? Did I give them a real relationship with the Lord? Did I plant the word of God which endures forever in their heart? Sorry for hollering right here a little bit. So David's got these issues going on in his life. He's got a rough relationship with David. I mean, David's got a rough relationship with Jesse. So this has driven him to the place to where he begins to cry and pant after God as the water, as the deer pants for the water brook. And he's crying out to God, deep calling under deep, my God, my God, why am I so downcast? I don't understand it. I used to be able to sit at the table with the boys, but now I'm not even welcome at the table. My dad's got me shoved out here on the backside of the desert. How would it make you feel when you knew that the king, the prophet was coming to your house to anoint one of your brothers and you knew that he was coming and you wasn't even offered a place at the table? I'm telling you this. I believe in this next season, God's going to offer things to people that people would have never thought would have had a place at the table. All right, let's go with it right there. Now, <coughs> look at this verse of Scripture in 2 Kings. Go with me right here. I'm almost done. Second Kings chapter 2. Y'all right? I'm, I'm fixing to be done right here. 
2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11. <coughs> this is two men, Elijah and Elisha. Gavin, you have that picture of me and my dad. Just get it ready right there. I may use it. Then it happened as they continued on and talked. And suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire. And it separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into pieces. Now think about this. Here was a mentor of the young prophet. And a chariot of fire comes and separates the two of them. And Elisha, when he realizes that Elijah is no longer in his life, he cries out and he screams, My father, my father, my father. And he rips his clothes in anguish at this relationship that's now over. I want to tell you this, that the Father's relationship can never be replaced. It's what God has chosen. You with me now? There are so many young men that in ministry that are trying to make it. And they're desperate to try to do anything. And the cry of their heart is, I just wish I had somebody that could understand where I'm at. I just wish I had someone that understood what the pressure of what it's like. There's, some, there's men that are in business right now that are about to cave in. Some of you in this room have been about to cave in in the last two months and you do not know what it's like. All you've got to do is reach out to the life platoons that are around you. Look to Steve who knows what it's like to be pumping at the top to go down to nearly nothing and still walk it out. Come on somebody. Who knows what it's like to listen, to be told that you got, you're fitting to lose your house and everything else. This is about to crumble and close. But tell me what made you stay through the storm. Tell me how you you made it through how did you navigate that plane when everything in you told you you were going down but yet you seem to make it through the storm this is the role of the father that was playing in his life and so when this relationship is over he tears his clothes now listen to me I would not diminish the role of any woman it's amazing to me how a kid can be out in the yard and he can get bruised up and he can get scratched and he can be bleeding in an area and he can wipe it off and he can walk to a mother and, and the mother can take and kiss it or she can spray something on it called boo-boo juice. It's nothing but water. Come on, somebody. It's amazing how the pain leaves the child. A woman's nurture can never be replaced either. But there's something about the role of the father. When I look inside of my three boys and I say, man, I'm proud of you. There's something about when daddy looks down and he says that's awesome there's something about it that comes on your life that says my God I really am awesome dads make us believe in ourselves, and, and some of us listen you show the picture right here I'm fixing to be done this man wasn't perfect but my God he was a dad to me and I lost him when I was 26 years old. And I remember looking back the night that he passed. He was only 52 years old. I remember driving home that night and I remember thinking about that verse of Scripture in James where it says, Life is but a vapor. It's here one minute and gone the next. I thought about every time I took advantage of him, you know what I'm saying? And just, Dad, would you do this? Dad, would you do this? Instead of really gleaning. Really clean, and I remember one time he was fixing my brakes when I was 17 years old. I said, Dad, you ain't got the brakes finished yet. We got to go out tonight. Now hurry up. <coughs> I'll never forget my dad that day reached out from under the fender well and he looked at me in the eyes. He said, Son, there's one thing I hope for you. And I said, What's that? He said, I hope that the Lord blesses you with a son just like he did me. You know what I'm saying? And not only did God give me one, he gave me three. Lord have mercy. Asher's hard headed as a stone. I'm just telling you, you know. But God did bless me with three wonderful boys. But one thing that he modeled for me, he modeled a laid down life every time in our home. He showed me what it was like to work hard and get up every day, even when you don't feel like it. I watched my dad work sick and everything else. Why? Because we had to have it. He told me the price that you pay that you work hard every day. That's one of the things he modeled before us. He modeled a selfless life in front of our family. And he taught me that listen, as a dad as a dad, how many knows that that's one of the things that's got to be cut off of you is selfishness. You with me now? In this room. 
And so when that relationship goes out, God always is faithful to bring other things into your lane, other men into your lane that can begin to play the roles of the Father. Are you with me? And so I'm just telling you, as we move forward and as, as we increase even in the earth, you're going to watch the greatest transformation of the kids going back to the fathers and the father's heart going back to the kids because we got to have it lest God smite the earth with a curse. Come on, somebody. And the prophetic anointing is doing this. And so what I want to do is encourage every man. You know that we just bought, we just bought every man in this church. I think we got enough today. If you're a man in this church, we bought the God Chaser book. That book was so pivotal to my life in the end of the 90s. How many's ever read that book? Know that. Let me tell you something. Tommy Teeny wrote to a stagnant church at the time at the end of the 90s. And that book actually ushered into what we're seeing today. That is one of the most powerful books I've ever read. And we ordered all of those men and those men group a copy of that book. Now you could take that book and you could leave it laying on your shelf. But don't you complain about because your father knocked down the journey when we've offered you tools in your tool belt to get there. Hello. Do you agree that every struggle should be broke off by every man in this church? Do y'all agree with that in this room? Women, are you not praying for us every day? God, make this man. Do something great in him. God, speak to him. Lead him. Guide him. Direct him. Come on. Men, it's time we get in our place. You wonder what's wrong with your teenage daughter. What's wrong with your son? He's wanting you to get in your place. Now we can forfeit it and we can get involved in everything else. Hey, I've chased deer now. I'm not against hunting. I love to hunt. But listen, what's more important? Repairing the vehicle out there in the shop on Saturday or spending quality time with your family. Chasing some horns out there in the woods or spending quality time with your family. What's going to make the difference is your investment in your family. Now, you know the things that we do that we wonder you know, at times I got to think that, am I ever making a difference? <clears throat> and, the, and, and the role of fathers and what they do. You know, there's been times I've been in this church and been so heavy, I didn't know if I could make it. Yeah, the man that you see hollering, holding the mic, there's times he don't know that he can make it. You believe that? But Steve put his arm around me, put me in his chest. There's something about life at that moment. You know what I'm saying? It just makes it feel like everything's all right. How many knows when dad grabs a hold of you? It's somebody to make everything all right. And I've watched God provide for me, even though my dad left in 2006, he's been faithful to provide men in my life to help me along the journey. And I just feel like there's a grace in this room today, men, to just realize our role in the house. This may not be the best shouting message, but I promise you it's a message that if we'll grab a hold of, we'll bring the most life into this church. I wish I had about three people that would agree with me on that. I said it is a message that will bring the most life into this church. Men, what if our kid, what if our kids saw us reading the Word of God every day that that was a priority in our home? Man, I'm telling you, Chris, I believe we've got to get back to the basics, just some little things. When they said, I saw my dad read the Word of God every day. Why? Because the Word of God was valued in our home. Some of you men in here, you know you got things you need to kill and you need to kill it. If you don't kill it, it's going to kill you. <coughs> if you don't quit that flirting on your social media, it's going to kill you. And it's going to cost you everything. Let me tell you what kids do. Kids love toys. But a man knows how to put away toys. I said a man knows how to put away toys. And he knows how to embrace his destiny. And he's mature enough to deny himself and take up his cross and follow hard after him. Now I'm going to finish with this. And I started to play it for you, but I, I just, I'm not going to play it. But it was, I think it was Thursday. We got back. I want to think it was Thursday maybe. Or it may have been Wednesday. It was Wednesday before. It was in the afternoon. We got back after getting the video from Fioz and it was just Stanton and I. And Stanton was laying on one couch and I was laying on the other couch. And the power of God was just showing me real strong. I just felt the Lord really, really strong. And I was just laying there praying in tongues. And I didn't know it, but Stanton's really quick with his phone. 
you're ever doing something around him, you don't want a video, he's real quick with the phone, take a video, picture, record, or whatever. But he was recording. I didn't know he was recording. And I was just talking with him. And I just simply shared, Steve, as I said, you never take moments for granted when God gives you access wherever it's at. And I remember in 2007, in that cabin, my Nicholas, I was laying in one recliner. Dale was laying in the other recliner. And he was just talking vision to me. And I remember my heart just being so ignited and inflamed. And I remember I come home and Catherine said, what did you talk about? And I said, I don't know. You ask any man what he's thinking, what's he going to say? Nothing. There's so much you could dive into this. She said, John, you were gone for 10 hours. Two hours, one way to drive. Something in there for six hours. She said, what did you talk about? I said, I don't know, but it was good. All I knew is I would listen to that man talk about everything we were going to touch and everything we were going to do. And my heart was inflamed with vision. And so Stanton's recording me, and I don't know that he's recording. I'm just sharing the deep things in my heart. And I make the statement, I tell him about me laying in that recliner. And he sends me that little clip that night. And he sends me two, he says, two minutes. He's got a cry face is coming down. But you know, I can look at Matt. When Matt's done maybe not a great job on the stage, and I say, Matt, I believe in you. You're the most anointed worship leader I've ever seen. And I can watch where the enemy is trying to slump him down. I can watch his feet standing up. And I can watch the regal spirit rising up in him saying, you know what, I am something. That's what a father does. If you want to see your kids change, you look in their eyes and you prophesy their destiny. Quit telling their shortcomings and start telling them what they're going to be. Come on, somebody. I'll tell you what I see in you. My God. But listen, you know where we've been taught? <coughs> I'm done. Where we've been taught, you know, like, they was, they was, like Dale was the father. And he is a father. I don't believe God's doing that kind of deal no more. Where the one man's going to be the father. He's they, 30, 50, some 60, some 100 fathers in this room right here that God's trying to raise up. You know what I'm saying? When I didn't believe in myself, listen to me, out of all the time I've preached and the hundreds of messages I've been privileged to preach, I start this one message out and it's the second service, Danny comes. And I said, I'm just country. And he takes me to the side and he says, you're no country, nothing. But you know what? In my eyes, I was still just some country boy from South Georgia, just some little bitty podunk town. But when he looked in my eyes and said, you know country nothing. You're one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life. It causes you to carry yourself different. I'm telling you, the voice of a father causes you to carry yourself different. Man, when you get in your place, you don't know what kind of difference you're making. We got to look at our kids. We got to get engaged in the home. We got to do it with intentionality. You have to do this with intentionality. If you don't, time will flee from you. It'll slip from your hands and you'll wonder where in the world that, you, that it went. Every one of us has been graced with 24 hours in one day. What separates the successful from the non-successful is what you do with your 24 hours. It's time you man up, sir. Get in the mirror. Take responsibility for your life. Where you're at today is nobody's fault but your own. You got a choice to get up from here and make a difference the rest of your life. See, if I believe it's all your fault, I can never change. I have no power to change. But if I realize that I have the power on the inside of me through the Lord Jesus Christ to change my life, I can see my life changed in a different way. You with me? Stand up with me. I want to pray this prayer. I believe there's a grace in this room right now. Let me answer a few questions. You say this. I'm a single mom. What in the world am I going to do? God will provide that influence from a father. You believe that? 
there'll be a granddad, whatever else. And the Lord has never left me fatherless. I just had to open my eyes to see to the ones who were putting around me. Raise your hands, man. Just a man, raise your hands. Father, I bless the men of this house today to get to the place you're calling us to get. Sir, I say man up this morning. Man up. Get at your place. Slay whatever's holding you back. Get connected. If you're disconnected, I'm telling you right now, get connected. If you disconnected, look at me. You will get devoured. Do you believe that? You will get devoured if you're not connected. You've got to connect with somebody. Have somebody pouring into your life. Say, God, show me who it is. Show me who it is. Show me who it is. And let me tell you something. A true father will never take advantage of you. They'll always be in it for you and not for themselves. Did you hear what I said? A true father will be someone for you and not for themselves. They will inconvenience themselves for you. Do you believe that? I, I ain't talking about no rent a dad program where we pay somebody to father us or anything like that. I'm not talking none of that kind of trash. And that actually caused me to get a little violent. <laughs> but I'm talking about people that love you for who you are. Just for who you are. I looked at Clay about three, two years ago in that building and I said, there's nothing that I would change about you. But a hundred things come to my mind. <laughs> but I wanted him to know I'm proud of what God's done in his life. Not to just highlight him. But Lord, he was out yonder. Go look at his driver license. Let me show you the picture of how far he was out there. To what most people said he would never come back from. From a drug life. But God who is rich in mercy and grace. Changed his life. And has raised him and constantly been just raising him. That's a strong man in this house. Look at what Larry's overcome. He got a list so far. If we pulled out his history just from, his, just from the cop records, we wouldn't be able to hold him in this room. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, saved him, sanctified him, filled him with the Spirit of God, and brought him. There's mighty men in this house, is what I want to tell you. There's mighty men in this house. I've watched God change men over the last four years. I watched the Cleve Edwards, who wasn't even here on Wednesday night, to not even missing a Tuesday morning 5 a.m. prayer meeting. Don't tell me there is a grace in this room to raise up mighty men if you will only open up to it and say, Lord, do it in my life. Change me right here. It can start today by you opening your heart to the realm of the Spirit and say, God, transform my life. Father, I thank you for the grace of God in this room right now. I thank you for the grace of God in this room right now. I feel like as men, we got to come forward. I feel like, come on, amp me up right here. I feel like as men, come on, let's just come forward. I'm just going to pray with you right here from the platform. Come on. Come on, come on. Come on, hurry, man. I'll be running to it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, men. Raise your hand. Father, I bless this group of men today. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, help us to man up in the home. Help us to lead, guide, and direct our family, Lord. Don't let us fall asleep at the wheel, God. Do not let us fall asleep at the wheel, Father. But let us, let us lead with intentionality, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it God. I thank you for touching every man deep today. I thank you for the encouragement being parted into every man in this room. And Lord help us to be mighty men that will run this race God. With endurance. With grace. 
Lord, and help us to celebrate each other. When one struggles, when one falls, let us, those that are strong, bear him up in the spirit of gentleness, God. And Father, I pray, help us to be honest with one another about where we're really at, God. If we're struggling in our marriages, let us be honest, God, with one another. If we're struggling on the internet, let us be honest where we're at, God. And Father, I pray that you would begin to break strongholds that have plagued us for years, things that have held us back for years. God, I pray today by your grace and mercy, give us strength to let it be broken. Don't let us cave in. Let us walk with strength, God. Don't let us shrink back. Let us press into the land that you've given us, God. Strengthen us this morning by your grace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody bless the Lord in this house. Women, I want you to stretch your hands this way. See, I release. Say just, I just feel like this. Just say, I release them to be the man you called them to be. They're not called to be the man you think they should be. Be Release them to be the man God called them to be. Release them to be the man God called them to be. Pray for them every day. Pray for them every day. You got to pray for your man every day. Hear me, lady, you got to pray for him every day. Say, God, help him. God, strengthen him. God, help him. God, strengthen him. In Jesus' mighty name, God bless you all. Listen here, friend. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Go hug somebody. Love on them in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.